Because remember, to walk in Jesus, to walk in Christ, we have to walk in his love. We're growing, we're maturing in his love. That's what going from glory to glory. We are growing from one measure of his love building inside of us into another measure of his love. And what's being pushed out? The darkness, the things that are not God in our soul. Man, it is incredible how much we have to renew the mind day by day. So our life becomes a full life. Niana, I love it. You are just getting started in this. So, hey, Kenrick. So when your life is just getting started in it, the best thing, Niana, is you don't have that much, you don't have much stuff going on, right? You just have, you're growing up and going to school. But you know the things by your interactions with other people and what's going on with that. If something really bothers you, you ever have a kid that just got on your nerves and you just didn't want to be around him anymore? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's where the Lord teaches us to say, don't blame that kid. What, what am I, why am I can't, why can't I love them? I loved it. Zinni did a great job in Soul Shifters because she hit on honoring our what? Mother and father. And sometimes loving our mother and our father are the hardest defeats that we have to, we have to meet with God. I know because in just a, I'm just going to give you a cute little testimony of I'm one of six kids. And my first two brother and sister have a different mother, same father. Then the last four of us are all less than a year apart, less than a year apart. And my mom, she didn't really want to have kids. She just wanted to keep my dad coming home. She's very open about it, you know. Well, and my dad lived a very, you know, he was angry person. So the interesting thing is when he died, my dad died, I saw a vision, a dream in the spirit. And then after I had the dream, I called my dad and he had passed away. And so I saw that he was already, I didn't know that. I was shocked. But the thing is, my mom left it to me to tell everybody. So when I had to call everybody, I already knew that everybody suffered in their soul because he was angry. Remember, we only love as much as Christ is in us. That's, and our soul is renewed to love. All the love that we've learned before has been taught to us from growing up. But then there is Christ's love that he wants to teach us his comfort, his things within us, and he wants to grow your Holy Spirit in so that when it possesses the soul and you choose him, then you'll have no fear for anybody. Isn't that awesome? We're to walk in such love that we don't have fear of any person. But yet we are already, we're already put in a world of sin and things happen to us that aren't what would be the best God had for us, but God already chose you to go through it. So our parents can only love as much as they have learned in Christ to love. Man, when you get that, you can look everybody as a vessel and you can know they're only exhibiting what they know. Because if, it's, if Christ has matured it, man, you are hugging people. You are joyful. There is no difference in who a person is. So in that... The one thing was when I had to call every sibling, I got to learn what everybody thought of my parents, what anger, what mad, whatever, things that, do you know what I mean, that they felt about the parents. You know, hey, because when something dies, the truth is going to resurrect. When Christ has talked about this dispensation of time, of the renewing of the mind, that we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind one word at a time. Every time, everybody, if you're up and in the word every day, you know, this is interesting. Jean and I ministered to somebody yesterday and Jean said this statement I thought was very powerful. 
He said, if you get up every morning and you haven't read the word, you've invited deception in for the day. Because the only truth there is, is in the word of God, speaking to your spirit and your soul, meditating on it. So think about that. Think about it. If you never open the open that word, which is what we're going to talk about today, is about the study of the Bible. If you never open that word, then you're never getting the word to marinate in your soul so you can become the word. All right? And it's awesome because we have to know that the word of God was put in place to help us meet him every day. It says we are to study the word how, how often? Morning and night. It says, meditate on my word morning and night. And I'm going to tell you, then that word starts changing you. I have watched everybody in here be changed. It is amazing. And this is just a few people in this ministry. So many people have gotten changed, just helping them understand what the word is saying. And then them going home and getting the revelation of the word. And then something gets birthed from the inside out. And you get changed and you're not that same person. He says, the old shall pass away and the new shall come up. Shall you see it? Can we even see it? And so our relationship with the Lord is so important. It's more than just prayer. It's worship. It's more than just worship. It's word. It's more than the word. They all have got to work together. I love this just so you can see this. In this chart, this is chart called the regenerated spirit. This is what sits inside of you. You feel it. Your nowhere knows when God is trying to tell you something. The communion is what we're talking about today. When we commune with him, by worshiping God, worshiping God is praying to him. Worshiping God is reading the word. Worshiping God is singing praise unto his name. And when we can do that, now our conscience can rightfully discern and divide the word. A person can come towards you. And even though if you feel that person, I cannot take that person, I cannot take that person, then you know it doesn't have to do with that person. God's showing you, oh, there's something, what's going on in me? Because I'm actually, because we're to love one another as Christ has loved us. So the moment you can't love a person, that means, all right, what in me can't love that person? Start breaking it down. Start breaking it down. What in you can't love that person? Then you give it unto God. And then if you ask him to show you, what's he going to do? He is going to show you. His word says that if it is the time of testing, when you feel the rise, you feel the uncomfort, you feel those things for him to show you what's going on in you. And then if you take the time to just give it to God, he starts working out of your system. And then you've changed and you're not the same person you used to be. I'm not the same person I used to be. Let's go and write. This is this lesson today is going to be about studying the Bible, meditation on the word. We're going to start it today. We're going to finish it next with next Wednesday, because if you, I, if I can't say enough, opening up this word every day, I mean, I sleep with five Bibles and all I can tell you is I wake up every morning and he gives me the word he gave me today. We had real estate meeting this morning. It was the word that helped more than just me. It helped everybody else. It reminded us that if we bless the father in the name of Jesus Christ, he says, I'm going to give you my mercy. I'm going to give you my comfort. He has comfort for all of us. But that doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable because the next verse says we have to have the tribulation of the world. We have to have the affliction of the soul. And then the word lifts that affliction to help you be comforted in him to get to do what you're going to do. So studying the Bible, put up 2 Timothy 3, 15, 17. 
because it's so important. If it's in the first section too, it's in the section, it's on the born again lesson, page 13, where's where we're starting for you to for, uh, go ahead and give me James King, King James version, second Timothy three fifteen seventeen. 17. It says, and that from childhood, you have known the Holy scriptures, which are able to make you, I need a different background too, without the verse there, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ. Okay. The moment we accept Christ in our heart and we confess, how many, this is, how many have you met people that have Christ in their heart, but they're afraid to talk about him? A lot, because that's okay. That is okay. That's the beginning stage. That's the first faith of salvation. He works out of you when you know that you've experienced God, not just read his word and memorized it. You've had an experience with Christ. Man, something opens up and you want to tell everybody about Jesus. And there's a time where he matures us, but it's going to be through what? Faith, which is in Christ. That means it is your own faith before you accept Christ in, in your heart. It is your own faith that you're working out what you're doing in the world, whether it's your career, whether it's your job, whatever it is. Hey, James, it is what's, that's what you're working out. You're working out the plan that you planned. But the moment you accept Christ in your heart, he says, I'm the starter. I am the finisher. I'm the alpha. I'm the omega. What I'm start, James, come on up. I'm going to finish. And so he tells us, but it can only salvation, which able to make you wise for salvation. And what are those things that are able to make you wise? The Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures and the Scripture is a capitalized S. I remember the first time I noticed that. That means that the scriptures are as powerful as the word, the living word, Jesus Christ. So the scriptures were a revelation and that God set a time for them to be placed in writing. Hey, Sheila. And then in that time was set. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. See, God has a plan for us to be what? Complete. complete in him. The only way you can be complete is when two walk as one. What two things? Your spirit and your soul who produces whatever the flesh wants or what the spirit wants. Our poor soul is the <laughs> battlefield. It's like, oh, I want that ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, right? But then you feel it in your spirit. I'm not supposed to eat that ice cream. I'm not supposed to eat that ice cream. I'm just doing it. Who made the choice? The soul made the choice. The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. These two are, and they're not on the same side. There's it. But they need the vote. They need that one vote, which is the soul, to be the decider of all decisions. This is the courtroom. This is the courts. It says, when you get into the courts of God, you have to choose the judge. Is it going to be your flesh or is it going to be your spirit? He tells us that the word of God, God already had it in the word. Back when this was, when some of these were written, it already told about a word would be written. There would be something for us in the process of time. Here, you're going to love this. I haven't said this in a while. 
In the fullness of time, he sent his what? His word, Jesus Christ. He sent his word. And then in the fullness of time, he actually sent us a what? A full written canon of scripture that if we, if we consider this holy, God speaks through this. Christ develops us through this. And then we can hear his commands. And I'm going to tell you, when you hear that inner voice tell you to do something, you can find it's going to match up in here. Yes. I have proven it. I kept thinking, I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit say it for me to do something. I'd be like, that cannot be. Do you know I can actually find an order of what he has shown me to do? You can find it. If you, it says, if you diligently seek my scriptures, he will unveil the mysteries for your life. There's always going to be the first layer of the scripture, which everybody says is, am I doing right or am I doing wrong? <laughs> is this right or is this wrong? But then there's the next layer of the scriptures. What, where is he telling, what is he telling me to do? Where is he telling me to go? How is he telling me to do it? And he says, all scripture is given, first off, by inspiration of God, and is profitable for these things. For what's the first one? Doctrine. That's for the first layer. For what's right, what's wrong, what's truth, what's false. Everybody wants to know, hey, just give me the rules, I'll follow it. And then nobody follows, you know, people don't follow it. You know, I like it because our flesh has to learn to surrender, to submit to the spirit. The second thing is for what? Reproof. Okay. Reproof is he wants to show you that word and show you how it fits in your life. Where is your thinking? Reproof of the thinking, not of the circumstance in your life. He wants to change the thinking, okay? And then the next is what? For what? Correction. So when he shows you the what is the wrong thinking, you know what the thing, next thing he's going to do? He's going to show you the correction. Come on up. Everybody needs to come in the circle. Come on, Sheila. If you can come on up, this would be good. I appreciate it. That'd be good. Yes. Thank you, James. Come on up. I don't want everybody to come and then start following in, you know. Hey, Brenda, how are you? We are talking about the word, Brenda, today. We are talking about the purpose of studying the word and how it shows us these things. So the scriptures are really profitable for what is truth, what is false. It's profitable for reproof, showing us where we're really thinking. And then for correction, which I love this. Anytime I recognize that my thinking is off, and I, I do have a testimony about an awesome person today that heard some scripture. They've been growing in this ministry, and I met with them. And she said, there's something that happens when you're about to grow and flourish in what God has taught you. Do you know the weeds start coming up too? Can you turn the sound just a little bit down? There is a weed that wants to choke out what God is trying to tell you. When God gives you the reproof and he gives you the correction and the instruction in righteousness, do you know whatever you've done in your past, the first thing that's going to happen is it's going to start creeping up into your life. It was a real estate agent. She invested in a deal two years ago, but she invested it. She realized through the word and for the past year, she went into it with the wrong motive. But the motive wasn't of a bad heart. It was prostitution of her gift. She had such love. She was trying to save all these people. And before you know it, she's spinning. Have you ever been in a situation where you have all these people around you and you're entertaining them? entertaining them, entertaining them, entertaining them. And then you got to go back and go back and hold that other plate, like plates spinning on sticks. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But you got to keep the sticks what? 
moving to keep managing what you've just got yourself into. How many people have done that? Praise God. Well, this, this woman is awesome, this realtor. She actually got herself where she was spinning five plates all at one time and then wanting to introduce a new plate. But after she comes to real estate class, worship class, she was crying. She said, oh, my God. She said, I was just corrected today. She goes, I realize I, this isn't right. I'm really maintaining this wrong. And then I said, well, guess what? Because he revealed it to you through his scripture. I said, now we have a chance to go back and put it right back in order. Praise God. When God sends you into a place and you get a word and something hits you in your spirit, God's trying to show you how to put it back in order. So it was awesome. She had a string burning at two ends. And what happens when the two ends are burning? It's going to come to death. There's going to be nothing to burn after a while, right? Can you put on the Awakening the Dawn on repeat? I don't know what this song is. It sounds kind of interesting. But anyway, the word of God will never take you to where it completely dies. He will always give you a chasten, a rebuke, or a scourge. He'll give you the three. He's caught her before the string is completely burnt up. Isn't that awesome? God loves each and every person so much that he is actually going to bring you to the truth. Now you have to choose what in your soul to produce the truth. So I want you to keep in mind that the word was set for correction. And that's what people fear the most. They fear the correction of the word. All right. It says for instruction in righteousness. That means he's going to take something you started on the wrong path and he'll turn it right into the, the right path. And why does it say in righteousness? Because righteousness is in right standing relationship with God. When we start doing sometimes, sometimes we're not doing it where we've invited the Holy Spirit in and we have asked the Holy Spirit to help us find the right answer. Come on, how many times have we bypassed asking the Holy Spirit for help? We have. We've, we, I, because we don't think we have to ask him. He wants us to invite him into every decision. And you know how I got started? This is, this is how I got started, Kenrick. I would ask the Holy Spirit for everything. When I got up, what shall I eat? He knows what's in my house. What shall I wear? What, I mean, that was how I, it says the first house rule is discipline. Well, I have to actually start disciplining myself to invite in the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord, what does he want me? And, you know, sometimes we have to start off just like a kid learning to put on clothes. We have to start off with the simple things. If you hear the Holy Spirit say, no to go getting fries at McDonald's, Come on, I'm the first one. He took me through that, he, and he spoke through Todd. I heard, I already knew I was supposed to stop drinking coffee. And it, I'm telling you, Todd came to me. We fasted before glory nights, and he said, Lee, you're supposed to fast coffee. I was like, I am not. I have coffee every morning, right? That's how simple my attitude was. It wasn't negative. It was just, no, I'm not in agreement with that. But really, when he said it, what happened? My spirit had a twinge. But it wasn't that, you know what I mean? Well, then I would go by McDonald's. I go by Starbucks. I go by, and I would, and then one time it hit me. I asked, Do you want me to have that coffee? I heard, No. Really? <laughs> what? I'm not getting the coffee thing. I'm not getting the purpose of the coffee. Well, here what was awesome. I did finally surrender to the instruction. I didn't right away. I was in disobedience. And every time I would get a coffee, I'd start not what? Feeling good about myself. Right. My flesh was happy, but my spirit, I would feel the grieving. 
And then once I finally did it, I did it for six weeks. And you know what happened? The Lord delivered something from me. I felt a deliverance. I did coffee six weeks straight, no coffee. What's the first thing that happened to me? Head eggs. Then what happened to me? Nausea. Then what happened to me? And this is only a couple of years ago. When God says, to, and he gives the Holy Spirit, you've invited him on a decision, and he gives you the instruction, he's always going to bring a confirmation through somebody. Todd was my confirmation. I already sensed it. But I had to be open to listen to Todd. I had to be open to receive it. And when you receive it and then apply it, it wasn't until after six weeks, after going through the headaches, going through the things, that I realized my body became dependent on the coffee, which means I wasn't really dependent on him. He'll show you something that you're dependent on that's not dependent in God because he wants you to be in him through Christ. So only by surrendering, how do you know that you're going through Christ? The first person you're going to invite into any situation is the Holy Spirit within you. He gave us that Holy Spirit to be one with him, to help us, to counsel us. And so it's awesome. I know something left. And guess what? Now I can go and not have coffee for a week. I can miss coffee for a day and I don't get what? A headache. I was actually training something in me that God couldn't use me. If Let's say he asked me to go somewhere. I couldn't have coffee for three days. Well, now I could do it. I could not have coffee for three days. But before I couldn't, that's how addicted I was to coffee. Isn't that awesome? Yes. So what I'm saying is our addiction sometimes can take over and we don't even know what it's really taking over. But if we have an attitude about it, I mean, I'm telling you, when an attitude starts rising in us and we feel that burn and we feel like we disagree with somebody, let me tell you, that's the first sign it has to do with you and not them. Man, I, I test it. When I'm now in a business meeting or something, you know, doesn't it kind of, I feel it. And then I go, okay, no, this is this would not be God. Charlena wanted, or I'm going to tell her a little testimony. Charlena wanted to order from Jason's. <laughs> and I am very strict about not having too much finger food in here. It's kind of my thing. And uh, I had, she had mentioned about ordering something from Jason's. And I was just like, no, 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 no. And I had to stop my, I stopped myself. Okay, why is this bothering me? Why is this really bothering me? And then I walked away. And then I came back. I said, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. And then when it came in, it really was the best thing. It really was the best thing. I had. I wrote Charlene a little note. I love you, Charlene. Thank you for tolerating me. And it wasn't even that bad, was it? But I caught myself wanting, thinking about a decision. But I had to stop and say, why am I feeling that way? Why do I feel so strong? I had to ask, is this really the spirit? Or was it really my neat freakish wanting to have the place so clean? You know what I'm saying? Like, you really have to ask yourself when we take steps on things, what is God challenging you to rise up to do something for him and not for yourself? You know, just because you're a neat freak, I'm a neat freak, I can be a neat freak, doesn't mean I'm a better person than the next person. It just means that I can let that control me. I didn't even light a candle for years, Chris. I never lit a candle because I just wanted it to be perfect looking. <laughs> I had to get used to lighting candles and let them go down. Isn't that crazy? Okay. But that doesn't mean, that means God, there's a potential God might not be able to use me at a certain time if I come up with my own rules about things. He wants us to live in his rule. So he tells us that. He gives us instruction in what? In our righteousness, in our right standing. If we're not in right standing and he knows if Lee kept having the coffee when she couldn't have the coffee, I wasn't receiving the instruction in righteousness, in my relationship with him. I was receiving it in my flesh and making my decision of it. Okay, he says, 
that the man of God, we are all women and men of God, may be what? Complete. That's the bottom line. This scripture is a day by day stepping so we can become complete and whole in Christ. That doesn't mean complete, whole, perfect person, got the perfect gold stars, got everything right. It means he's trying to make you complete. And what is he trying to make us complete in? Love. In truth. It's the two partners. They go together. Love and truth come together. And when they kiss, it's an explosion. All right. And that's all he wants. He wants us to experience. And that's what's an explosion? An experience with God. An experience with God. He wants to thoroughly equipped. He wants us each equipped for every what? Good work. But can we hear that command? Can we hear that good work? Well, if we're not in the word, this is what's interesting. When you're not in the word day and night, your mind starts going off onto other things. How do we get, we have to watch our ear gates, our ears, our eyes, our mouths, what we say, who we talk to, what are we talking about? Our eyes, what are you watching on TV? What things are you looking at on the internet? What things are feeding the eye? Then what things are you what? Listening to what music? I love Chris's testimony. Chris came in here. His eyes would go back and forth. Such distraction. And we'd be like, whoa, there is such distraction in Chris. And he would want to get up on that sound booth. And he'd want to just play all this music and just cry out. But it really wasn't Chris. It was really all that rap music. And all that stuff that was feeding into his what? Mind. And he was trying to transition it into Christian music, but it really still wasn't what? Purified. I remember when Chris got delivered, and now he's like, he used to idolize the rappers. Chris used to love those things. And now Chris can't even what? He can't even listen to it anymore. Because he got, he went from being defiled to undefiled. He went from being unclean to clean. His mind was being purified and redeemed back to Christ. The only way we can get that thinking is, who do we think on? Christ. Who do we seek? Through the Holy Spirit. We're seeking what? Jesus. He's the sanctifier of our soul. All of our prosperity. All of our happiness. All of our wealth. All of everything in our life can only be pure, undefiled, productive, and prosperous if it's through the word. Everything else will come to a death. Everything else will have a day of end, just like with Kathy. Until Kathy recognized that she got into the wrong motive, then she was able to now, we turned it today. It was awesome. We turned the whole situation. We went right back to the root, and we're like, what was the motive for this person? It was to sell their house. Well, now we're going to change everything about it. And we started moving out the lie, but moving in the truth. But once you decide to do it, once you say yes, now what does God have to do? He's going to cover her sin with love. He is going to give grace on the situation. She is not punished. In fact, she's going to inherit a promise because she noted, identified it like you asked. She identified it. Cry. I mean, it was sincere. Our heart has to be so sincere when we're identifying what God wants changing into us. And then now she, the wave of grace that's going to come to her is going to be incredible. And so I get so excited about that because she was able to take the reproof. She was able to take the correction. She was able to take the instruction because she in her heart truly wants to be complete and whole. You know, when I first came here, Jean would always ask me, Lee, are you happy? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> 
Then he'd ask me suddenly, you happy? And then it made me think about it. If you have to ask twice, I started thinking about it. Am I happy? And then I started thinking about all the things that I'm not happy about. Actually, the question actually made me start thinking what? The opposite. And then he asked the third time, are you happy? And then I start crying. I don't think I am happy. <laughs> so, meaning he was really building me to like, made me think the word. When we meditate on the word, that's the way we look at the word. You meditate on that word. And you need to think about yourself. Meditate on a second time. Think about yourself. <laughs> Meditate on the third time. Let it absorb your being. Now Jean says, Lee, are you happy? Yes, I'm happy. It's not a, yeah, I'm happy. It's, I'm happy. Like, I'm, I'm happy. And he asked me if I'm happy. I'm happy. Are you happy? I'm happy. Right? And why am I happy? It's not because I have become fully complete. That won't happen until I hit heaven. I'm happy because I know the way. <laughs> when you know the way, the truth, and the life, now I know how to gain that resurrection daily. That doesn't mean I wake up feeling the resurrection daily. It just means now I know his way. I know how he wants my heart. I know how he wants my ear. And now I just keep going through the rotations. And I'm happy because I have understanding. The word says in Proverbs, those, I found it because every time Jim would, he'd ask it to me daily, are you happy, happy, happy? I was like, I need to find this happy verse. And it's in Proverbs 13. <laughs> it says, those who are happy have understanding. That's where our true joy of happiness is. I love people who love to order things and be in charge. Like, you know what I mean? And are good at detail and studying. When are they the most happy? When they've completed the instruction. This is so awesome. I know Brenda loves to keep the instruction. I know she loves to keep the instruction. You love, if you get the rule book, you want to follow it, right? I get the rule book. I think, what do I have to do to make it play? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a bad thing. I need Sheila's and Brenda's in my lives, people to keep me up on the rule, right? But the beautiful thing is they, that gives them, see, God made it in all arenas, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. He made it all because none of us are completely complete, but each one of us has a strength. You know what I mean? Each one of us has something to add. We need each other. I need Brenda. I need Sheila. I need Charlena. I need Kenrick. I need Todd. I need, we need everybody to help us because that's what makes a whole person. God created so many different personalities and so many means. He is trying to make us perfectus in our acceptance. The word teaches us how to know. It teaches us how to understand, and it teaches us God's will for your life. I remember when I heard a speaker say many years ago, all you have to do is just God's will. <gasps> the first question I asked myself, what is God's will, right? I don't know what God's will is. What's God's will? And then he would ask, and you know, he would say, God's will is the word. So whatever word God reveals to you for the day, is you, that's the will of God for you today. When the Lord, he revealed to me today, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 6. I meditated on that. I meditated on that. I meditated on that. I started skipping in this place today because it was such a beautiful scripture reminding us. The Lord taught me this morning that the word blessed just doesn't mean happy, enviable, favored. It really means praise. Blessed be the Father. When the word says blessed be the Father in the Lord Jesus Christ, it means praise the Father. For Jesus Christ, because he came and showed us the way, the truth, and the life. So we are really blessed. The word of God feeds the new life in us, changes us. I love this, your daughter, from the baby within to teenagehood to adulthood. We are maturing in him. And this is a great chart that we have here. 
where it shows that once you accept the born again, born again experience, your spirit's regenerated. Now God wants to move you where he grows more in you. And the only way he could do that is through the washing of the word, the sanctification, the applying, the passing the test. And then you change more of him, less residue. Now, darkness is just the residue that was already put in us at the born, at, when we were born in the world. All right? So then he grows more. He breathes more. He expands more. The Holy Spirit rots out his own home in you. And then before you know it, the Holy Spirit is in your what? He's in your head. And you actually are doing all the things God wants, has called you to do. God hasn't called the same thing on me as everybody in this room except for one thing is the same. Is that we are all going to be what? Lovers of Jesus Christ. And that if we really want to get what the Father has for us, it's going to be through the Son. But then somebody's going to start in Genesis. Another person's going to start in James. It doesn't. God is going to direct you in a path to teach you. And it's awesome. Please put up. We all start off with the milk of the word, which is 1 Peter 2.2. 1 Peter 2.2. 1 Peter 2.2 tells us from the King James. As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Okay, what does it mean when he says pure milk of the world? That means a baby reaches for his what? Bottle. And he reaches for it when he's what? Hungry. Okay, when Christ gets accepted in your heart, there's a little bit of an explosion that goes on. And you could go a day and not read the word, but you just missed your milk. And it says that we can eat three times a day, but we also need to feed our spirit morning and what? Night. It, it can be just 15 minutes. And you just look at a word. Open your. That's how I started. I started doing the Genesis through Revelations thing. Yeah, I didn't even get through Genesis chapter 15. I mean, it was so, a lot of people were killing each other. I wasn't reading it from the maturity of heart. I was, my heart wanted it. And then I just finally said, I did say, I don't think I can learn this. I, this is like too deep for me. And then I just heard, just open up the page and I'll teach you. And then I did. I would start opening up a different page every morning. And then I, and I used the Amplified Bible first because it helped me understand better. And then I grew and then I grew, but I needed that little bit of milk every day. I needed something, and, but my heart had to want it like a baby reaches for a, Bible, a bottle. You want it like you're, you're reaching for it. And you just know when you suck it down. You know how a baby sucks down milk really fast? Yes. Okay, and then what do you have to do with the baby? Okay, you still just don't feed that baby and leave it. You've got to burp it. Okay, so it doesn't do what? Throw up what it has if it gets too much and then it spits up because it hasn't been what burped you have to think about it we have to take time and understand that word but he says it's the only way that you will what grow it is the that means it's the desire to want it you know you have christ in your heart because you do desire him you might miss being in the word for a week but something says to you i know i'm not going to feel better until i get back into the word all right the next level is the honey level. So the first level of the word is the milk. The second level is the honey. Go to Psalms 119, 103. It says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. It says, How sweet are your words. Yours is Jesus, the Lord. How sweet are your words to my taste. 
sweeter than honey to my mouth. Man, remember the first time you learned a word and you really knew that word and you loved that word? And then you, all you wanted to do was what? Talk about that word. I know the first one that hit me, I would hear it all the time. The word is sharper and powerful than a two-edged sword, piercing the division between the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is the true discerner of the heart, okay, and the thoughts of the, of the person that's receiving it. I would hear it, I would hear it, and I wouldn't get it, and I wouldn't get it. And then I just remembered how I was drawn to Hebrews 4.12. I was drawn to it. And then it was like, oh, I get it. The word pierces my soul and my spirit so it can grow back into understanding to one another. And it truly is telling me how I think. It's telling me and discerning where my heart really is. But then when I got that word, all I wanted to do was what? Tell everybody, hey, do you know that the word separates the soul and the spirit? All I wanted to do was keep sweet speaking the sweetness of that word. And I wanted people to understand that word because it was so powerful. So how sweet are thy words? unto my, uh, the words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. When we speak the pure word of God, we feel good about ourselves, don't we? We feel good when we have helped somebody with the word of God. All right, the next level. The word has to be not just like milk, and, and it, it, it's honey when it comes out, but now the word has to be like the bread of life. Luke 4.4, 4. Luke 4.4. 4. Luke 4.4 4 tells us, and Jesus answered him, the disciple, saying, I mean, not the disciple. I think he was talking to the, um, the tempter. And Jesus was saying to the tempter, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, when Jesus was tempted, and he was tempted three times, one of the things he was saying the enemy told him to take this stone and turn it into bread. Now, Jesus had the power. He had the power of God to probably say, turn that, turn that stone into bread. But he knew it wasn't God's will because it wasn't God's word. So how do you know this becomes bread to you? You're just not doing it out of your own fancy. You are not trying to prove there are gifts in us. There are power that God and the Holy Spirit wants to use in us, but you can't use it without God's word to use it. That's where we have gotten into a society that abuses the gifts. We have, and that's why when you come here, we don't care about the gifts. The gifts are already going to manifest. It doesn't make a difference. We're not here to mature you in the gifts. We're here to mature you in the word, get you into a routine of worship so you can discern when is the right time to use that gift. Jesus could have used his gift from God at any time. But he said, I loved it when he said, but man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Do you know what's so powerful about Jesus? Everybody knows the story about when Jesus went in the marketplace with the whip. Jesus was already in Jerusalem three days before he ever went to the marketplace. It made him mad the moment he saw it. He did not go into the marketplace until he was instructed to go into the marketplace. That means out of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he had the fruit of self-control. How many of us in here have the fruit of self-control? We are growing in it. We are growing in that self-control. Jesus had self-control. Man, somebody said, hey, impress me. Turn the stone into bread. And he was like, nope. That means he had hit a level that he knew he wasn't going to do it without the authority of his father. That means two had to work as what? One. It wasn't written 
so he wasn't going to do it. Isn't that impressive? That's impressive. How many times do we do something just because? Just because I can have coffee. I'm going to do it. (laughs) But I was making coffee my bread, right? I was turning coffee into bread. (laughs) I do love that. That's good. All right, so we have to remember the word is truly our bread, and the command of the heart of the Spirit is going to direct our way to use it. We always have to submit everything under the Holy Spirit. The word makes us stronger. It makes our spirit stronger to have self-control in that. All right, Ephesians 5.26. The Lord says his word is like water. The word is like water. When is the word like water? The word is like water. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her. Her is the bride of Christ. Her is all of us. We're all the bride of Christ. James is a bride. Right? He's like, (laughs) I love James. That he, it says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That means as we get through these levels, the milk of the word, the honey of the word, the bread of the word, do you know that word starts to cleanse our heart, cleanse our soul, and actually causes our flesh to step out and be the word. And then there's a glow. There's a glow on you. The word of God sanctifies and cleanses you like a water in a shower. How many of us feel good after a shower? Let me tell you, we feel good after a shower. We feel fresh. We feel great. You get in those clean sheets. You know what I'm saying? You feel awesome after a shower, especially when you work a hard day. But the Lord says his purpose of the word is like a shower. It is like a cleansing of the water so that he can sanctify your soul. So you can get that gl- that fresh glow of fresh shower. That's what he that's what he's wanting. So the water is like the word is like water. All right, now here's the depth. The word is also like meat. The word is meat. When you come in here, we're gonna feed you some milk. We're gonna see you talk the honey, right? We're gonna watch the bread and the water work. But the thing is, is when we hit the meat of the word. The meat is when you can really get out that understanding. You have lived by that. Hebrews 5, 12, 14 says. Hebrews 5, 12, 14. Now, to get the meat takes time. Time was placed in the universe as a method for God to teach patience and to develop love. That's the purpose of time. Thank God we have time to grow up in what we're called to do. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Okay. If you are into the meat of the word, that means he's already preparing you. Every single person is a teacher. You're going to teach somebody something about the word of God. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. What that means is if you've been a saved, born again Christian for 20 years and you don't have a word to teach somebody or you haven't matured in it, he says it's time to do what? Grow up. It is time to grow up. Forget you should be moving away from the first principles of the word, which is of repentance. You should know repentance. I love that. You should understand about these gifts. You should understand about these basic things. But he says that you have come to need milk and not solid food. Well, a baby doesn't stay on milk. He goes to solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a baby. God says, I'm going to have a matured and washed bride. He doesn't want us to stay babies in the world. He wants us to grow up. Because he says, if we stay a baby too much, 
we actually become unskilled in the word. And what's the unskilled part? Not getting a revelation of the word. I can read that word about the soul and the spirit and the 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 word is it's like a you know a two-edged sword piercing the division. But if I never meditate on it and get the meat of that word, well then I'm staying as a baby. I'm not maturing in that word. So we have to spend time with the word because he said solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, who? what is that? That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now remember here on the chart, conscious discernment. The conscious discernment, this is where we want to be able to walk. Just think of these rings. I have the, the intuition inside me. Think of my little communion ring around me. I could wear that like hula hoops. And if I'm worshiping God, my communion ring goes out and it goes up and it creates a column with God. And then my discernment, I can see good and evil. The more I worship, the more I can discern things. You know, when I've told, I've given the testimony about being able to discern spirits. Everybody has it. Mine, it just becomes more sharper the more I do what? I'm telling you, I've been in, when I get into worship where I am like, it's every day, I am up there, I am pressed in, I can see everything in a room. Sometimes I don't like that. Sometimes I just calm down the worship. <laughs> I don't want to see everything that's going on. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. I went through a week of intense worship two weeks ago, and it felt like everything was moving around this place. Everything. I was seeing everything, even in my own house, what walked in, what walked out. And I remember in the beginning, that used to scare me because it was so clear to me. But then when I learned, it can't do anything to me. And you know what? This is interesting. It's because of spending time and reasoning and using and exercising the discernment gift. Everybody has the gift of discernment. You have to get in worship to discern those senses. Some people hear in the spirit, like a word of knowledge more. When they worship more, they can what? hear clearer. If you see more, everybody has a sharper. If you see more, well, then when you get up there, you see more. You know what I mean? And But now you grow in understanding. I get out of the elementary principles of spirituality, and I get into walking as a mature, skilled adult, discerning the things that are around me, not because they're bad. Do you get what I'm saying? The discernment of seeing and hearing is to help you help somebody. It is not to run away feel scared, don't trust. In fact, the more I see darkness, the more I recognize I hear the Holy Spirit what to do, what not to do. And it's not not to be nice to the person. It's to just be careful. Timing. Everything is timing. If you ask the Holy Spirit, I like it, Brenda has a counseling session. If Brenda invites the Holy Spirit in every person she counsels with, do you know what I mean? And she prays and she prepares herself, God's going to show her exactly what she needs to know for that counseling appointment. In any job that you get into, banking, Kenrick works for SunTrust Bank. If Kenrick is at the bank and he worships every morning and he can discern what things are going on in that bank, it will help him do his job better, extend love out to another, know when to back away from the bus when something's not right. Do you know what I'm saying? God can actually discern your steps so you don't fall into the snare of the enemy. He never wants us to fall in the snare of the enemy. He wants us to walk things out. In Luke, it says, a wise man will rightly divide the word, but he also, uh, he will count his cost. 
What does it mean to count the cost before you come into agreement with something? If you're fully communing with God, you'll know whether you're to do it. You don't have to ask somebody for advice. You'll know it. It's so amazing. Rachel and I were talking the other day because it was just really, Rachel has a great sensing. She can walk into a place and know it's not right. She just, she does, and she's very accurate on it, but she can't see like, she hasn't seen to the level in which I see, but I can walk in and see something. I may not feel it all right away. Does that make sense? Well, what's interesting with Rachel and I, as we've grown up as mother and daughter, we can walk into it. I may see something, but she senses it. And when both of us are in agreement and we know it, we get like on our discernment, but not for negative, but for positive. Because if we were sent there, then that means the kingdom of God wants to be planted there. Right. I mean, it is so we are sent into things that are not positive all the time. But if you know you have God's stamp, go, because you're going to have grace that covers you. And he'll he'll use your discernment. Everybody in here has all the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you have to get the meat of the word and worship to really know what's happening. It is awesome how he really tells us exercise that discernment because he's only doing it for your, that's part of your protection. It's part of your growing in him. So isn't that powerful? It's powerful. We have to learn how to study and learn from the Bible. We have the New Testament. If anybody in here wants to know where to start, it is really important. Why do we read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Because they tell us the way in which Jesus walked on the earth. Jesus came to the earth to rectify, to, not to, to reconcile us back to God, but he came to reconcile what truth was. The moment he came out of, I mean, come on, Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. How did the world judge her? A woman, a woman virgin, you know, pregnant. She had to have been with somebody, right? right. When God came, he came in the world in a way that was always going to judge the minds of the people. And that he, to show us what real truth is. I loved it on the Sabbath. How many, how many people would not go capture their animal out of a pit on the Sabbath day to save its life? We're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. The Pharisees challenged him. <gasps> Why did you do that? Well, what would you do if you were going to lose your cattle and it fell in the pit? Would you go get it? Would you exercise out to go? Yes. Jesus came to discern the rightful dividing of the truth. That's why we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and it can be repetitive, but it's told by different. I love Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See it from the unique perspective of what they were each called to do how they were each called to suffer, how they each were called to die, what they were. I love Luke is truly your medical guy. He sees everything. His stories are more technical in detail. John is your lover. There is no order in John's book. John does not follow an order. John just is going in love. He is talking love. He was, he was your pearl. Do you know what I mean? Luke was your emerald. You know what I mean? When we really get into this and we look at it, thank God, why would he write four chapters of the same stories? So you could connect with one of them. Each of us connects with one of them a little bit more than the other. There's a part of us that really does, that connects more with one. I look at um, I, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If I'm feeling like I need love, I can go to John right away and start feeling the love, right? If I really want to get to the, what was really in that picture, I'm going to go to Luke. 
if I go to Matthew and Mark, I love Mark. Mark is an awesome book because Mark has a really calm way. I think he's the ruby. He has a really good way of outlining it in such a way that it's, I don't even know how to describe it. I tend to really get attracted to Mark in the explanations of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But it's awesome. The Holy Spirit worked through four different people. So to teach us. All right. We're going to connect with it. We meditate on the word that you read and apply it in your life. When you read a verse that impacts your life, it speaks to you. Then if it speaks to you, meditate on it. When you meditate on it, now start confessing it. When I open the word and I would open them, and this is my second Bible. When I would open it, I would go to a page and this is how it works for me. I'm just going to share how I would, I always read out loud, but I'm whispering. I'm not reading like out loud. Do you know what I mean? I'll read the verses, just kind of read it. And then something does pop out at me. And when it pops out of me, I write. And I have certain understanding. When I circle something, I'm always circling a preposition because a preposition helps draw you into something. If I box something, it's a word I don't know really. I could know that word, but I don't really know what that word means. Because in Hebrew and Greek, when you look up the meaning of a word, it's telling you what context it was being written from. Most of this book was written in Hebrew and the understanding of the Greek knowledge. So you have to be able to know what were they meaning by those words. There's a lot of words that have more than one meaning. When I look up a city or a town, I want to know what that city or town means because God's trying to tell us something in the name of that. I just found out Saturday night I'm teaching about burial, about how there's a time where we have to bury our past so our new can spring up. And the Lord gave me an awesome revelation about how we get through that. I mean, it's really deep. But the one thing he taught me is, is that as I was reading, he was, he was really showing me the name of a wicked person. It was a guy who really abused. I don't want to say the name because I want to save it for Saturday because that's how good it is. But the guy's name went meant commander of the wicked. Do you know what I mean? It was really cool. And I, and then now when I would read his name, I wouldn't read his name, which I don't even know if I pronounce it right, but I read it as now understanding that commander of the wicked. And it was awesome because God ruled and reigned and the victory was God's. But if you can really read the word and know what's behind the meaning, every name has a meaning. Every single one of our names have a meaning. That's why Rachel keeps telling me, oh, she said, Mom, I'm going to have all these boys, and I know what I'm going to name them. I said, what are you going to name them, Rachel? She said, Calhoun. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> then she said, Mom, I want a son, and I want to name Buckley. What does Buckley mean, right? <laughs> Buckley sounds like a dog, right? <laughs> Come here, Buckley, right? Okay. And right then she told me, she, she said, oh, I like the name Hunter. Okay, Hunter so far is the best one, you know what I mean? I'm like, Rachel, and I told Rachel the other day, Rachel, do me a favor before you before you name your child, just know it came from the Holy Spirit because whatever that name means, you're going to call it out every day. Buckley do this. Buckley no. Buckley yes. <laughs> hey, there is something that when you can really read and study yourself the word, I named Rachel Rachel off of a, a billboard that I saw. But then when I learned what Rachel meant, Rachel meant innocent lamb. You know what I mean? I love that. It was good. Rachel does hold an innocence to herself. And so it's that every time I would call out Rachel, Rachel, and she always wanted baby lambs for some reason. I didn't know that Rachel meant this. She was born on Easter. So she always, she never liked the bunny. She always liked the lamb. She made me buy her this big lamb one time. And then I didn't know until I came here that Rachel meant innocent lamb. 
Now, isn't that awesome? So we are. We don't even realize what we're saying, what we become. And so I think it's really cool. So, hey, if you get a chance, investigate your name. Because your name has a good purpose. It has a good meaning. So when we think about these things, that's how we need to read the word. We need to get into the word and read that in such a way that you know he is trying to teach you something, grow into it. So when we break it up, it's a good thing, you know? So Psalms, we're going to end with, oh, no, no, we have one more after this. Psalms, everybody knows this verse, but it'll be a nice review. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 reminds us that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay, now, this is so interesting. Sometimes you read that, and you know what the first thing you think? You better choose your good friends. Choose the right friends. Hang around the right people. Okay, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So that means you need to be seeking who first? God. God is, the Holy Spirit already says, I'm the guarantee of truth. If you ask me, I will give you the truth. And if he doesn't answer you, then he's, you're not to do anything. You're not to trust anything. You're not to, you have to step carefully because he's trying to protect you. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. That means when you stand in the way of a sinner, if a sinner is about, you are not God. We are not to stand in the way of what somebody else chooses to do, but we have a choice to do it with them or not. Think about it. When we're young and somebody wants to go do something and they say yes, hey, you got to first ask for the wisdom of God, but then you have to know where am I standing? What choice am I going to make? It says north sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, that means be very careful who you are going to exchange words with. If you're sitting with a very complaining, angry, negative person, and you're not strong enough to turn it into the word, do you get what I'm saying? If you're sitting with somebody with somebody that that's scornful, gossiper, does all that, you've got to be able to change the conversation and put it into what? God's counsel. If not, don't sit there because it doesn't mean they're bad. It just means, are you strong enough? Are you God? Are you strong? If they're not bad, everybody's in whatever level they're at. But where is your strength? I, Todd and I talked about this the other day. As we're growing up and we are going through these steps, we still have our residue. The enemy knows how to draw us into the wrong place. And he does it, he does it so innocently. And it seems so good. And then when you find yourself captured in it, you actually find yourself sitting with scornful people. And then next thing you know, you start wearing what they have. You see it on you. You can see it on the person when they're wearing it. Do you know what I mean? And so Todd had that experience. We had time. Todd was growing. He came in here. You could see Todd was wearing a film. Right, Todd? Remember those days? And it was like Todd didn't even want to be near us. We didn't want to be near Todd because it was like, but this was, it was so beautiful because it's Todd's test. See, the transparency helps other people grow. Todd is not embarrassed by it. Todd is truthful about it. He is open. And, but the awesome thing is Todd started not liking how it, what felt, felt Todd, right? He didn't like it, how it felt. And then he was like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm moving out of the seat with the scornful. And now I'm getting myself back in the word, back in the worship. Man, Todd comes in and shaves. He looks like a whole new person. <laughs> we always say, he did. You could see it. None of us, see, we're going to get that residue trying to follow us. But the moment we get into the word and worship, do you know it has to flee? We get that being a child of God. It has to flee. That's the beautiful part. Psalms remind us 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, doubt he meditates what? Day and night. Meditates day and night. He shall, now, if you meditate on the word day and night, you shall be like a tree. Shall means you have a choice. You don't have to be like a tree. You can stay as a sprout. But you could be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That means if you're planted by a river, there's always going to be water. The word is flowing. The word is always flowing. We sing a song, jump into the river. Isn't that the song, jump into the river? Jump in. Jumping into the river is jumping into the Bible. Jump into that word. It brings forth its fruit in its season. That means if you just meditate on this word every day, one day that word is going to come out of your mouth and it's going to be so powerful. I remember the first time I felt the power lift from here and come out of my mouth. I was so hurt. I was so hurt. I was, somebody did something to hurt me and it hurt. And I laid in bed. I cried. I felt it. You ever had that fetal position where it just hurts and you're crying? I get over the cry. I take a shower. And when I'm in the shower, out of my spirit just scream, no weapon formed against me shall prosper because that is the heritage of those who are in him. That's what I said. That's the exact words I said. I didn't say the whole scripture, but that's the part of scripture that came out. And I was like this. When I felt it come out, it was a force that pushed it out. I did never meditate. I meditate on that word, but I never tried to understand that word. But I had meditated on enough that it could, that's why it felt like that when it came out. Because when it came out, I had to think about what it meant. But see, God already had it in my soul so it could be pushed out by my spirit. And you know what? A few weeks later, it really was. No weapon could be formed against me. It did not prosper. In fact, it got turned on the other person. That's what the sad thing was. That actually, I felt sad when I saw it ended up, they ended up hurting themselves. And it never touched me. Do you know if you are in the will of God and the word is being enriched in you day by day, there really is no weapon that can be formed against you, even if you're wrong. Because I have to tell you, in the situation, I really had done something that would be considered wrong, but it wasn't wrong by God. My heart was right, but what they, their perception was negative. They were doing it from a wrong motive. Be careful what motive you do things in. Because you can do something wrong, but do it in the right motive, which is what Kathy and I were talking about today. Kathy's heart was right. Her heart, she has the biggest heart. Her heart was right in what she was doing. But the whole time, Satan was pumping it in, pumping it, using that heart to get the wrong thing in place. But the moment she saw it, I love it. Grace, I can't wait for her testimony because now the grace is on. She got the counsel of God. Now she has the choice to put it in the right order. Now she does those things, guess what? No weapon will, won't be formed against her. Nothing will be caused to harm her. Do we have trust in God that enough to know that he's not out to harm us? If he sees that you're trying every day, you've got protection on you. It's called the providence of God. If you work at this a little bit by a little bit, if you know that burn, we opened with the burn. If you open knowing that one thing that just burns you up, that one person you can't think about that you get burnt up, that one action that you do that you know you shouldn't be doing. Man, it's like little Tommy picking his nose. I love it. <laughs> You've heard that story? Tommy, I had a kid in third grade named with Tommy. His parents, awesome. Parents came to me and said, look, he picks his nose all the time. I said, ah, we'll work it out. Right? Tommy picked his nose all the time. <laughs> he would sit at his desk. He would fingers everywhere, right? Okay. 
But they said it made him unpopular. Well, it did make Tommy unpopular. I was a school teacher for 11 years. It did make Tommy unpopular. So I was like, Tommy's a cool kid. I like Tommy, right? I was like, we're going to get this down. So I would, when I would teach, I'd sat Tommy at the end. I always did a U in my classroom, and I always stood looking at everybody's eyes. <laughs> I always knew where everything was. Tommy, I would take his hands, and I would just put my hand on his arm while I'd be teaching. Like, you know what I mean? To get Tommy not to do what? Pick his nose. Well, it seems like the more I did it, the more worse it got, you know? Well, then, Tommy, I'll never forget. I, I was like, what else can I do? What can I do? Well, I just decided to, I talked to Tommy. I said, Tommy, I had a private conversation. I was like, look, it isn't cool to be picking your nose in front of your friends. I said, you want to break this? And he said, yeah. I said, how about this? Every time I see you and I go and I just touch my nose, you go to the bathroom, go wash your hands. Every time I see your fingers and yours, go wash your hands. I'm going to give you the symbol. You go wash your hands. And you'll get tired of going to wash your hands, right? And he was like looking at me. He's like, okay, well, the next day. <laughs> I went like this, go wash your hands, Tommy. So the other kids didn't know what we were doing, but Tommy and I knew what we were doing. He went to wash his hands. Well, one day he would come in, sit down, start. He would, it was like I was constantly sitting Tommy in the bathroom. So I stood out in the hallway like this by the bathroom. Tommy would come out with his fingers and his nose. I was like, go right back. The moment we did it a couple times like that, I would get closer to the bathroom. Tommy, go right back. Tommy, go right back. He broke it. Yes, he broke it. And this was so awesome. He broke it. It took one semester. Never did he, now I'm not saying that he didn't do it in his private time, but I'm just saying he, right, now, this is a kid in third grade. After that year, the principal came to me and said, um, we're going to move you to fifth grade. I said, okay, I'll move to fifth grade. He goes, you don't have to change your classroom and you'll be with the fifth grade teachers. I said, cool. I'm teaching fifth grade. He comes to me with the roster for my second year in fifth grade. So I did one year while he was in fourth grade. He said, Tommy Braun, his parents want you to have him. <laughs> I said, he does. I was like, she, she said, they love you. They said, you broke him of his nose. <laughs> they were so cute. I was like, I'll take Tommy back in my class. No, this kid still writes me. This is how awesome this is. This kid was in my fifth grade class. And in fifth grade, I gave a test on the first day of school, paper upside down. And Tommy's the only one that passed this test, not because he knew I did it. It was a test of following instructions. You turn the test paper over, it says, write your name at the top of the paper. The second one says, now read all the questions, then go back and do one, two, and three. You know what I mean? Well, the last question says only do one and two. Turn over your paper, sit quietly. I give it to my whole fifth grade just to decide who's going to be the good follower. Tommy aced it. That kid read through it. He went down. He, he smiled at me, turned upside down like that. He's the only kid that passed it. I love Tommy. Tommy was a kid that even when I moved to Georgia, this was when I taught in Maryland, this kid still wrote me. He used me as an example in his papers. When he was in college, he dedicated a paper to me. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it was love that really helped Tommy learn the truth. But Tommy also had to want to what? Change. And see, that's the way Christ is in our life. When we really grow with the word of God and we grow in that kind of love, he'll actually change you just like Tommy picking his nose. No matter what behavior you have, no matter what negative thought you have, no matter whatever situation, if you let the word be the teacher and you meditate on it, look how many times I had to work with Tommy. That was how many times we've got to meditate on a word. But then Tommy became the goal. What was the goal? Do you know what I mean? Right? Not to pick his nose. What's our goal is whatever word God is giving us. Isn't that powerful? So he says, we shall be like that tree. We shall have fruit in its season. Man, there was a day Tommy wasn't going to pick his nose anymore. That was in season. 
The word does that too. We can know the word and the next day we can break the word. And then we're like, oh, what am I doing? You know what I mean? And then you have to constantly, constantly go with it. And then I like it. Your leaf will not wither. That kid wanted to be in my fifth grade class next year. He was so excited. He didn't look at me as, oh, Mrs. Breon's class. She always told me not to do this, not to do this. No, he came running down the first day of fifth grade because he had a light on him. He was, he was excited because he knew he was coming in a place where he grew. We all deep down really want to grow, don't we? We want to be better, be the next stage better. So it's awesome. Go to Romans. What time is it, Todd? Okay, last verse, Romans 10, 17 says, I want you to remember this. We opened up talking about only through Jesus Christ, faith can do it. Tommy had to have faith, right? We have to have faith in Christ that he is going to do it. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So remember, our words, when we meditate on that word, are keeping us hearing the word. And one day that word is going to spring out in due season and it's going to do what it was set out to do. You know, it is awesome where I want you to, this is a verse for you to take home. Take time and meditate on Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And it talks about how we live by the word. So tonight, that's your homework. Take that home. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Really meditate on that. God has such an awesome thing. When my fruit comes, it's because of what the plan he has for me. So every morning he gives me the word that I need. Same for James. Same for Niana. Same for Brenda. I don't know your first name. Marita. See, God already called Marita to come here today for sendusacard.com. It was so awesome. Marita, we are exercising a new program that really came to Jean about sending out cards for the business end. And we probably should use it for the ministry end, too. It's very nice. And um, it's awesome. Mer she pulls in with an awesome 86 Mercedes. Ah, if you saw it outside, it's the gray, really nice-looking one in good condition for its age. It looks excellent. But anyway, it was awesome. That was part of her day. God already knew that was going to be part of her day. So whatever was part for her to grow in, that's the part you receive for the day. It's, isn't that awesome? God walks us out in sales as an excellent job. Because God can place us right in a place. And this would have been a place for refreshing. Tomorrow, the place she goes could be to share one of these words. The next day, it could be you just don't know where it is. So praise God. We're going to pray and close out this. I want to thank everybody for coming. Because it's 630. James. James is in the Bible. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who you set in the fullness of time to help us get reconciled back to God. Lord, I thank you as we meditate on your word that you reveal to us the mysteries behind the word. Lord, show us the truth of that word. Reveal to us your love and how you want us to apply that word. Lord, help us to gain the godly wisdom, Lord, and not to walk in the paths of sinners and not to sit in the company of the scornful. Lord, help us to surrender our minds and our spirit to you so that we can produce what you have called for us to do for the day. Lord, we thank you for the undefiled word of God. We thank you for the love that's poured onto us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you, Father, for all that you have done and want to do for us. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.